Amen. When I was in high school, played baseball, and uh, they let me pick out a batter's walk-up song, you know. Um, and if there were such a thing as a walk-up song for a preacher, that song would be my walk-up song. All I have is Christ. It is uh, by far one of my favorite songs. I told my wife, hey, if something happens to me, that's, that's one thing I want at my funeral is that song played. And that song sing, because that is a statement of the truth uh, of my life. And I hope you can say the same thing for your life as well. Tonight, uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 10 will, 10 will be our, our theme verse, our key verse for tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll look at a few other verses uh, before that and after that. But Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The key takeaway tonight is because Jesus has come to be with us, we no longer have to be slaves to our fear. And this sermon tonight is, is really part one of five uh, that in our student ministry we're going to be going over that's leading us up to Christmas. In case you haven't seen uh, it's Christmas season officially now. I've been advocating for Christmas uh, for a little earlier now, but that's okay. We compromised in our house, and we put up a, a thankful tree, and uh, it was real cute. The kids wrote down things that they're thankful for every day on some leaves, and so. but we have had the Christmas tree up, the thankful tree, for a while now. But uh, Christmas season is here. It is among us. And so tonight, uh, this message is, is really in it, to get our hearts ready for the true meaning of Christmas. And so tonight we, we're going to see in this passage of, of Luke chapter 2 the, the, the message that the angels delivered to the shepherds out in those fields to fear not. If you will, let's begin with verse 1 and we'll read all the way through verse 20. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and lied him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her, her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. God, we're, thank we're thankful for this story tonight. God, we're thankful for the gospel message that we see 
in the beginning stories of Christmas. Father, we are thankful for the message which the angels proclaimed to the shepherds. And Father, it's the same message proclaimed to us today, to fear not. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much, that you cared so much about us, that you sent a Savior, that you sent Jesus to be born to die for our sins. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We pray now, God, that you would have your way in this service and in our lives. In your name we do pray. Amen. When you think about Christmas, what do you think about? Santa Claus, gifts, uh, Christmas trees, little Debbie Christmas tree snack cakes, me. But how many of you think about shepherds or angels or even fear? Right? The majority of us, we don't think about those kind of things when we think about Christmas. But what if this is what Christmas really is all about? I believe that, that God wants us to take our thinking about Christmas and the Christmas story a little bit deeper. If you ask my kids what Christmas is all about, they'll say Christmas trees, lights, and music, and candy, and desserts, and presents. And hopefully somewhere in there, they're going to say it's Jesus' birthday. And that's a big deal. We want to celebrate that. It is the fact that Jesus was born, but why did he come? Why did he come to this earth to be born? Jesus' arrival on earth is more than just a one-night event that happened in a manger. Jesus' birth on earth came to fulfill a need that we can never meet ourselves. And so our key verse tonight that we're going to look at is, is verse 10. In this one verse, a verse that we often just gloss over as we read the Christmas story, is a powerful statement delivered to the shepherds by the angels. There are five distinct and powerful phrases used in this sentence. Fear not, behold, good news, great joy, and all people. Tonight, we're just going to focus on that first phrase, fear not. And if you want to hear the rest of it, you can come join us in the student ministry. You have to fill out a, a background check and join the student ministry volunteer team. Uh, but we have a place for you to serve in as well. But those five phrases are, are, what, are what our students are going to be focusing on leading up to Christmas. And tonight, fear not is what we're going to focus tonight on. Fear not. Because Jesus has come to be with us, we no longer have to be slaves to our fears. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Because Jesus has come to be with us, we no longer have to be slaves to our fear. You know, we live in a world filled with fear. All kind of things that strike fear in us. And I don't need to go into great details or, or give examples. They're all over the place. If you watch the news, you see all kind of examples of things that we need to be fearful of. All kinds of things in our life, in our world, in our country, in our town, and across this nation. Things that we are to be fearful of. Maybe you've encountered some kind of tragedy which has marked you and, and caused you to be fearful of something. As a first responder, I see all kinds of, of scary things that happen, that can happen, and, and I, I live with that, but I try not to live in fear. I try to be, be cautious of those things, uh, but I don't live in fear. And it's good to be cautious of things so that you can prevent mistakes or, or errors, but when caution turns into fear, it can start running rampant and controlling your life without you even realizing it. And before long, fear is ruling over you and you're a slave to it. 
If you're unsure where you stand, let me give you a picture of what being enslaved by your fear can look like. Being a slave to your fear can look like feeling anxious often, worrying about things you have no control over, or feeling hopeless or helpless when when things start going downhill. And when you are a slave to your fear, you'll put your trust in anything that will make you feel safe. And the options that we have today are plentiful because we live in a world that prioritizes immediate gratification. We are in a get-it-now kind of culture. So, so we can fill the need for safety in many ways as we want. When we are fearful, we often find ourselves in the situations of misplaced trust. We put our trust in other things other than the Lord. I, I remember my, my final semester of college, I was in one of those situations where I had misplaced my trust. I had placed my trust in myself and my own abilities. I, I um, was in need of a job, a full-time job. I, I had asked Michelle's father for her hand in marriage, and one of the conditions were that I would have a full-time job. Now, I already had the ring, everything. I was ready to, I was ready to ask and ready, ready to go, right? So, but he said, hey, I, I just really want you to have a full-time job before you ask and everything. So that made the pressure even greater for me. And I was fearful because I'm thinking, what if it takes me forever to, to get a job? We're not going to get married. It's going to be a long time before that can happen. So I was fearful of that. So what did I do? I started placing my trust in myself and looking online at every possible church that was hiring in the whole country. Right? So I, it didn't matter where. I just needed to go. I was misplaced trust. I had placed my trust in myself. What can I do? Instead of praying about it, Instead of giving it to the Lord and trusting that he knows what's best and he already knows where I'm going to be at, I, I took that worry, I took that fear on myself and, and placed the trust in my abilities. Well, wouldn't you know, the, the Lord, <laughs> he took care of me. Out of all the places I had sent resumes to, not a single one of them had ever called back. Until one day, a church that I didn't even send a resume to, never even heard it before, called me. And it was just one hour away from where Michelle was living at with her family. And it was a perfect scenario for us. And the Lord blessed us there. You see, the things that we put our trust in to make us feel safe fail us more times than not. And then we are right back where we started, whether it's friends or popularity or a long list of rules and guidelines or whatever else you use to make yourself feel safe, it will fall short every time. It fell short for me every time. And in my case, it wasn't until the Lord stepped in and intervened on my behalf. And you may be thinking to yourself right now, well, so, so what hope do I have in a world full of things that call us, cause us fear? And how is the Christmas story supposed to fix our problem of being afraid? Well, I want us to take a, a little deeper look into Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and the story of the angel speaking to the shepherds that day. Our text that we have here, Luke chapter 2, it's a gospel narrative text. Luke is writing here, and he says in chapter 1 that he's writing to a man named Theophilus. There's many different genres, literary genres in the Bible. This is a gospel narrative, and so Luke is going into great detail, in fact, more detail than the other gospels, but he is doing it in a way that causes the scenes to come alive in our imagination. He uses vivid descriptions and details so that we can see what's going on. And his ultimate purpose is to point us back to Jesus. He's telling that the gospel is the good news about Jesus. And we start here with the Christmas story about Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, coming to earth to be born. And there's a message here in verse 10 
that is powerful then and it's powerful today. And Luke tells us that he's writing to Theophilus. And Theophilus, he says, was uh, most excellent, meaning Theophilus was probably a man of wealth and, and with social standing. Luke's broader intended audience probably consisted of primarily of Gentile Christians like Theophilus who had already heard and had been taught about Jesus. But Luke realized, but also by recounting the life and message of Jesus, he would be evangelizing to non-Christians as well. There's four main reasons why, why Luke probably had in, in writing. Number one, to assure his readers of the certainty of what they had been taught. We see in chapter one that they had been taught about things about Jesus. Luke is recounting those things. Number two, to help his readers understand how Israel's rejection of Jesus and the Gentiles' entrance into the kingdom of God are in accord with God's divine plan. Number three, to clarify for his readers Jesus' teaching concerning the end times. And number four, to emphasize that his readers need not fear Rome. They need not to fear Rome. Fear was something that ran rampant uh, through the early church in those days. Constantly fear. And fear is something that overtakes us in our life today as well, does it not? We, we live in a state of fear. We don't need to be in a state of fear because God has come to be with us. We have someone to put our trust in. We have someone to hope in, and that is in Jesus Christ. So tonight, our key takeaway is because Jesus has come to be with us, we no longer have to be slaves to our fear. So fear not. Leading up to this verse, an angel had appeared to two other people before the shepherds, Zechariah and then Mary. And in both cases, they were frightened by the appearance of an angel. And in both cases, the angel had an important message to share. And in this story, it's no different here with the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 says, And they were, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. We see in our text that the shepherds were out in a field. They were out in a field in the same region. Shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by nine. Verse nine says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now I want you to imagine that you're out in a field. Maybe you're one of the shepherds. Imagine what the shepherds were going through. They're out in the field at night. It tells us it's at nighttime. I don't know exactly what shepherds do at nighttime. I imagine it's pretty boring. I mean, their main purpose is not to lose any sheep, right? They're, they're counting the sheep, not to stay, not to go to sleep, but to stay awake, probably. The shepherds are probably saying, hey, it's a, you think it's those sheep that smell or us? No, it's probably the sheep that smell. I don't know what they're talking about, but imagine they're, they're in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, as the text says. And all of a sudden, an angel appears in the clouds, in the sky. You think you would be afraid? Think you would be frightened and fearful? In those days when an angel appeared, it really wasn't good news. In fact, uh, church history tells us that when, when an angel appeared, it almost meant immediate death. It was not a good thing. And the shepherds were fearful. They were filled with great fear, as verse 9 tells us. The shepherds had a, had a bad reputation. The, the nature of what they did, their work, meant that they could not observe Israel's ceremonial laws. They were considered unreliable, and they couldn't even give testimony in the court of law. They were, dis they were a despised class of people. And maybe, just maybe, maybe they felt unworthy. Maybe, perhaps, they felt some shame. Maybe the shepherds had lots of fear that God 
did not love them or wanted anything to do with them. Now, our text does not say that, but maybe, maybe they had some kind of fear of that. And so the words that the angels say here, fear not, carry some heavy weight. The Greek word used here is, is, is phobio. It's a, it's a root word where we get the word of phobia from. It, and it literally means uh, f- to fear, be afraid, to put to flight, to run, to flee from, to get away from, to strike with fear, to terrify. The shepherds felt all of those things in that moment. Why? We don't know exactly why, but they were fearful in that moment. And the first words the angels say, said, is fear not. Fear. People have all kinds of, of phobias and different weird kind of fears and things that are very real to them. May seem silly to us. Well, why do they have those kind of fears? I don't know. But, but fear is a big part of our lives. We all have something that we are fearful of. Now, now, one of my weird phobias, if you will. Now, you have to keep this a secret between us, okay? I haven't shared this with our students. I've been here almost eight years, and they have never heard this before. I learned this by being a, um, an, a summer intern at a church. If you tell teenagers what you're scared of, they're going to bring it to you, and they're going to do it all they can to, to mess with you. But one of my weird phobias, I said used to be, and I'll tell you why in a minute, one of my weird phobias that I used to have was a fear of mustard. <laughs> mustard. Uh, I will, I'll spare you all the details, but I just, did not like it. I mean, I didn't want to be around it. If you asked me to pass the mustard, I'd be like, yeah, I got to go to the bathroom, right? I just would just get up and leave, and I'm not going to do it. I had a fear of it. I didn't like it. If, I, if it touched me, I would, I'd have to wash my hands right away. I, I would gag, and just it just was not good for me to be around mustard. didn't like it. And so one day in college, I had some great roommates. I mean, absolutely wonderful guys who loved the Lord, and uh, they decided they would play a prank on me. And my dorm, my room was in a hallway, and there was an opening to the left. But So they got plates, paper plates, and put mustard all on them, and they thought they could trap me in my room. Well, I opened the door, and it's early in the morning. Of course, in college, I wake up five minutes before I need to be in class. You know how that goes. And uh, I see these mustard plates, and, like, and I immediately get mad. <sighs> what am I going to do? I'm trapped. I'm li- like they, they played on my fears. I'm literally trapped in my room by a floor of mustard, like hot lava. What am I going to do? Well, I grab my backpack, got a running start in my room, and I jumped like I've never jumped before in my life, probably set a world record. And I jumped over it, and my roommates are there watching. They're just laughing, and they're also impressed at the same time. And all I said was, get this cleaned up before I get back, right? I, that was a weird phobia, a fear of mine that I had. But I quickly got over it after I had kids because I quickly learned um, that there are more disgusting things in life than mustard. And we'll just spare those details there, right? But we all have weird kind of fears and phobias in our life, and some are, are greater than that. We, we have some deep-seated uh, fears in our life. Maybe things that have happened to you happen to someone else, things that you constantly worry about or, or fret over that, have become in, that you have become enslaved to. The shepherds were, were, were fearful. The message they heard was fear not. And that is the same message that we have today. The angels tell the shepherds that they have no reason to fear because as the angels go on in verse 11, a Savior 
who is Christ the Lord, has been born unto them that very night. You see, the message the angels delivered to the shepherd made a profound impact on them that night. Verse 10 says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Look at verse 17. It says, They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Do you see it there? What did they do with that message that they had heard? The message of fear not? says they made known, they told people all about it, had been told concerning them this child. Verse 18, what happened after they made it known? All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. What were the shepherds telling them? Back in verse 10, fear not, a Savior has come. And then look at verse 20. The shepherds returned to the field, and what were they doing? They were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard. That's the message from the angel. And all they had seen. What had they heard? Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. A Savior is born. This was a big deal. The message the angels delivered made a huge impact on the shepherds and everyone else that the shepherds came in contact with. And it should make a huge impact on our lives today because Jesus has come to be with us and we no longer have to be slaves to our fear. Fear not. And we have a message to go and share with the world just as the shepherds went out proclaiming all they had heard and all they had seen and glorifying and praising God wherever they went. We too should be doing the same thing. We have a message to tell to a world who lives in fear. And we can say, fear not. God is with us. God loves you. Fear not. God was fulfilling a long-awaited promise by sending Jesus to earth. And that promise can be seen in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4. When God, speaking about how he's going to save his people in the future, says these words. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Did you hear it? Fear not, because your God will come and save you. It sounds pretty similar to Luke 2.10, doesn't it? The shepherds have no need to fear because the angel is coming to inform them that the promise they and their families and for generations have been waited so long for has finally arrived. They have a reason to celebrate and rejoice. With the coming of the Savior, all threats of worry and anxiety melt away. This is why Jesus came. This is a part of the Christmas is all about. The eradication of our fears through the arrival of Jesus. Because Jesus has come to be with us, we no longer have to be slaves to our fears. Why? Because he came to be with us for a specific reason. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus lived and walked on the same planet that we do? The same planet that is filled with fears. Have you ever considered that he came and lived in the same world that we have agreed is full of things that cause us fear? Jesus willingly stepped out of heaven and down to this broken, fear-stricken world to be among us. But he didn't fall victim to its attacks. 
In John 16, he says that Jesus himself says that we can have peace in him because he has overcome the world. Amen? Jesus overcame the things that we fear and fear itself so that we don't have to be enslaved to them. With that being said, there, there are two ways, in closing tonight, there are two ways that I think we can begin to live a life that honors God and is not controlled by our fears. Number one, put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. As I mentioned earlier, when we have fears that overwhelm us and enslave us, we put our trust in the closest thing that can provide us safety. And there's no shortage of those options. You can run to your finances. You can run to your friends or family. You can run to your possessions, your rules and regulations so that you can have some sense of control over your life. But these things can offer much. They can offer you an illusion of control where you feel as though you're safe inside your own personal bubble. But it's just an illusion. It's not real and it's not lasting. As soon as your investments fail or you lose all your possessions, your safety net is gone. Instead of putting your trust in these temporal, fallible things, put your trust in God. He can be trusted. He keeps his promises. He doesn't fail. He doesn't decline and he doesn't fade away. He is eternal. And the safety that he offers is not an illusion. We know this to be true because God sent his greatest prize. God sent his one and only begotten son to the world for you and for me so that we might know that he's, his love is real. His love is true. It isn't fake. It's more real than you could ever imagine. The creator of the universe cares deeply about your life so you can experience true, genuine safety and him, and him alone. Number two, the second thing, hope in Jesus. Trust in God. Number two, hope in Jesus. Jesus came to free you from being controlled by your fears. However, while we are, are truly freed from being controlled by our fears, when we give our lives to Jesus, you know, the reality is we, we still experience fear, anxiety, and worry. We still will be tempted from time to time to let our fears, our fears control us and take us down a road that only leads to anger, hopelessness, and self-justification. But because Jesus came to be with us, because he lived among this world and overcame this world, we do not have to take the brunt of our fears attack anymore. We have a place to go to. We have someone to hand off our fears to. 1 Peter 5 says that we can cast all our anxieties and our cares on God because he what? He cares for us. Do you see it? We, we can place our hope in Jesus because what John says, he overcame the world. And that includes our fears and our anxieties. And although we will face fears and maybe even suffer from anxiety, we can now turn to Jesus and hand it to them instead of trying to handle them on our own. You see, we, we don't have to resort to a place of hopelessness. Jesus came so we might know that we have a hope. We might know that we have a future. We might know that we have someone to trust in and to place our hope in. We have hope in Jesus. And the gospel message is what Christmas is all about. The, the arrival of our Savior to save his people from this world. So we might not fear, but know that God is for us. 
Christmas is it's more than just a one-night event in Bethlehem. It's Jesus' arrival on earth stretched and it grew into something that fulfilled a promise from God. But why did we need this promise to be fulfilled? Well, we read back in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, everything was good, everything was great, and God made everything, said it was good, it was very good. And then we get to Genesis 3 and we see that the world is broken, fractured, and in need of repair that only God could fix. You ever had something in your life that you tried to fix yourself but you just couldn't? I've been there. I've tried to fix something on my vehicles and only made it worse. And I've had to pay more money to get someone else to fix it. Only God could fix the damage that you and I, what we created that we see in Genesis 3. Because Jesus took the punishment for our sins on the cross and then rose back to three days later, he repaired it and, and fulfilled it for us. We could never do that on our own, but God came. God loves us. Christmas, the earthly arrival of Jesus, is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promise to make all things new again. You see, Jesus is the Savior that we desperately need. And when we repent and believe, we're handing our lives over to Jesus and trusting him that he will keep us safe, that he will hold us fast, trusting that he will stick to his word, trusting in, in his will for our lives. And when we do this, we are restored, we are redeemed, forgiven, and we are granted eternal life through the grace of God. Because Jesus has come to be with us, we no longer have to be slaves to our fear. Through faith in Jesus, we can place our hope and trust in something not only greater than ourselves, but greater than the things that we fear and our fear itself. Aren't you glad for that? Our trust in him is greater than our fears. Sounds similar that his grace is greater than all of our sins, amen? God's grace is always bigger than everything. Any, any difficulties we face in life, God's grace is greater. His hope and this trust that we have available to him through Jesus Christ is greater than anything this world has to offer. And so we glorify him. We praise him in good times and bad times. We place our hope and our trust in him because there is no one greater than our God. And he showed us just how much he loved us. He showed us just how much he cared for us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left the throne room of heaven to be born in this humble, fear-filled world for you and for me. When we give our fears and our, our worries and our anxieties to him, we can rest assured that we are indeed as safe as we could ever be. Maybe you're here tonight and you have been living enslaved to fear. I don't know what that fear is, only you know. Maybe a family member or a friend knows, but I know this, the Lord knows. He knows what that fear is, and he invites you to, to bring it all to him. Maybe you've been in a situation of misplaced trust, trying to take care of yourself. Would you give it to the Lord? Would you trust him and place your hope in Jesus? Maybe you're here tonight, and you've been trying to... to, to Repair the, the damage of sin in your life by yourself, by trying to be a good person, coming to church. Th those things will never, ever, ever repair the damage of sin in your life. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. Maybe you're watching online and you feel the Lord leading you to give your life to Christ tonight. You can text the word today to 
5005 and we'll be in contact with you. If you're here tonight, if the Lord's leading you to make any kind of decision, whether that's to pray over something that you're fearful of or whether that's to give your life to Christ or to join the church or to follow him in believer's baptism, maybe there's been a fear in your life about actually going forward. Would you no longer be in fear of that? Would you trust in him? Would you stand as we pray and as we have a, a hymn of invitation? Father, we are thankful, God, for who you are. God, we're thankful for your word, God, that tells us about how much you loved us, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have our sin fixed, repaired, restored, a relationship with you. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you, Lord, that you sent a message to us to not live in fear. Thank you, Lord, that, that our trust and our hope in you is greater than all of our fears. God, during this time of invitation, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way. Father, for those who you are calling for salvation, God, I pray that they would be obedient to that. For those, God, who, who have been trying to handle things themselves, God, I, I pray, Lord, that they would give it over to you, trust in you, knowing that you are good. Father, whatever fears we have in our life, would we trust in you and place our hope in Jesus. It's your name, would you pray? Amen.